Well, good morning and welcome to East LJ Baptist Church. We're happy uh, to see smiling faces today and welcome to those that are joining us online as well. Um, so here at East LJ, we are captivated by Christ. Uh, in Jesus, we have seen and cannot unsee the glory of God and the grace of God given through the life, death, and resurrection of our reigning Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, so he has, we exist to spread that enjoyment to, of the beauty of Christ to the world. Um, and it's our prayer that you join us in that today uh, and embrace that beauty and uh, worship him today with us in uh, spirit and truth. So happy to see you this morning and we'll turn it over to, to Chad here and then the worship team. Good morning and welcome. Uh, and I invite you to stand with me as we read from God's Word together. Luke chapter 18 is where we'll be a little bit later on, so we're going to go ahead and read our text for the morning. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. It says, And he, speaking of Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? An interesting passage this morning, we'll be talking about, obviously, prayer and persistence in prayer this morning, and what a, what a joy it is to know that our God, because of the gospel, you and I know that our God and Father is a loving, gracious, good, ready to hear and answer our prayers, God. Sometimes we take that privilege for granted, sometimes we don't use that privilege like we ought to, Amen. Uh, and yet we have a Father who loves, uh, loves us and delights in our prayers. Um, I'm so thankful for that. Quick shout out this morning, thank, a word of thank you to Wes Clampett and our finance committee. We will be having our annual business meeting after this service. And uh, Wes and the finance committee have been working on uh, our, the budget for the new church year. At this time, before we go to the Lord in prayer, I want to ask Russ uh, to come on up. Russ? Uh, wants to share a word of uh, thanks this morning. So um, Russ has had some, 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 some significant um, health problems, and we've been praying for Russ. Russ, it's good to have you back and see you up and moving. And uh, you look as good as you did before. <laughs> That's not saying that. I'd like to, to thank Chad and the entire congregation for all of the prayers. Uh, messages and all that new technology that Cindy works with uh, to just keeping up with us. But I wanted to mention a couple things that happened as a result of 
of that hospital stay that really made me think. And the first one was that, and Cindy mentioned just this just the other day, we never felt alone. And you know, when we talk about going out and spreading the word, we think about, you know, the ultimate gain of going to heaven and what happens if you don't. But one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is that we don't have to be alone. And I know that while we were there, we have a, a very good friend, or Cindy especially, that hasn't made, she's got all the money she can use. Her husband died a couple years ago. But she, and she's in good health. She'll never have to worry about anything really for the rest of her life. And every time we talk to her, she's alone. I feel so alone. And as Christians, we don't have to feel that way. And I've never really appreciated it. I've always taken it for granted, I guess. Hmm. But I never, never understood how important it is and how those people out there that are not saved, that is one of the greatest problems they have in this world. Hmm. And you look out there, and when they see these problems, these people are always alone. Hmm. And I'd like to thank the Lord for that gift. Amen. But the other thing is... is uh, a little lighter subject. Uh, I saw something coming back. I was watching a movie and it was on the trailer. And uh, I'm one of those people that used to get in a traffic jam or something and I would start fussing. It was always a lady in front of me. I'd start fussing at them and talking about how dumb they were and talking about their heritage and all those kind of things. And Cindy would always make me feel bad. She'd turn around and she'd say, what if they've just been through a divorce? What if somebody in their family is tragically ill, or even worse, what if they had children that acted like ours? You know, <laughs> and, and she, after doing this a number of times, she got me out of it. But I saw a, a quote by, of all people, Plato. And I think this was God given to Plato, even though he wasn't a Christian. And he said, be kind to everyone you meet because everyone has their own special problems. And when I think about it that way, I, I don't fuss near as much as people anymore. It makes me feel pretty small. And thank you, Chad. Thank you for the couple of minutes. And I just want to thank everyone here again for just making us feel so at home. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Russ. And that is the joy of... Uh, amen. That's the joy of being part of the body of Christ, the, the joy of, of, of having a church family that uh, prays and loves one another, and we just uh, praise God for that. Again, we thank God that we can call Him Father and all together worship and serve Him. But so many you know don't know Christ personally. You've got neighbors, coworkers, family members, friends who have yet to come to Christ. So we want to pray for your neighbors. We also want to pray for the, the nations this morning, and, and in particular we want to pray for uh, the unreached people group for today, the Sudanese Arabs of Saudi Arabia. So Sudanese Arabs, they're ultimately from Sudan, but they live in Saudi Arabia. Many have gone there to work. Um, and there's about 171,000 people in this people group with only about 0.13% of them believers, only, only like 220 people uh, who are believers. And so we want to pray that God would penetrate in a very difficult country to, uh, for the gospel, 
uh, in Saudi Arabia there, this group of uh, people called the Sudanese Arabs. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you and we rejoice that we can call you, Father, that you encourage us. And, and Lord, may we be even more encouraged by the end of this service to call on you in prayer, to constantly and both individually and together seek you in prayer. Lord, how we need you. And yet, thank you for the privilege that we can call you Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that today we can pray for our neighbors, our family members, co-workers, and friends. And God, we want to pray that you would open their hearts to the gospel, and we want to pray that you would open our mouths with the gospel in conversation with them. And Lord, together we join our hearts to pray for the Sudanese Arabs of Saudi Arabia. God, I pray that even in the midst of such darkness, in the midst of such danger, you would send the light of the gospel into this people group and penetrate them. Lord, strengthen our brothers and sisters, only a couple hundred of them there, who know you and are following you. Strengthen them, Lord. Cause the gospel to go forth in power from their gatherings there. And Lord, today we also just join our hearts to remember uh, several folks and families God, today we pray for the family of Ann Lawson Duncan as they grieve. We lift up um, the family of uh, even one of our neighbors, the, the family of John Yunker, who passed away on Friday. Lord, we pray for the family of Charles Meadows, uh, the family of Cynthia Hensley. Uh, and God, we continue to pray uh, for your healing touch in the life of Marty Ballou. Louis, uh, Luis Santiago, Francis Jackson. Father, we thank you for answered prayer uh, on behalf of Sam Tucker, and we continue to pray for Lori Connor. And this morning, Father, we especially join our hearts together to pray for Pastor Steve Fields as uh, he's in the hospital following a heart attack, and just pray for uh, wisdom and, and your, your healing and, and, and help there. Lord, I thank you that you are in this place. I thank you that this morning uh, you deserve to be lifted up and glorified in our midst. We know from your word, Lord, that when we delight in you, that'll happen. You'll be glorified and we'll be satisfied. And Lord, when we're most satisfied in you, you will be most glorified. In us. So right now as we sing, as we continue prayerfully, Lord, as we hear your word, as we have opportunity to worship you in giving, may Christ be exalted. And may we drink, drink deeply from the fountain of living waters that is your grace to us in him. And pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing as we worship in song. Glad you joined us this morning. Let's uh, sing together as Jason leads us in same power. Breath of those surrounding me, I can't. 
sound of nations rising up we will not be overtaken we will not be overcome i can't walk down this dark and painful road i can't face every fear of the unknown i can hear all god's children singing out we will not be overtaken we will not be overcome the same power that rose jesus from the grave the same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us lives in us the same power that moves mountains when he speaks the same power that can call a raging sea lives in us lives in us he lives in us lives in us we have hope promises are true in his strength there is nothing we can do yes we know that there are greater things in store we will not be overtaken we will not be overcome the same power that rose jesus from the grave the same power that commands to wake lives in us, lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that can calm a raging sea lives in us, lives in us. He lives in us, lives in us.
us in uh, Mighty to Save. For the glory of the risen 
in you for our next song and I wasn't going to say it was her birthday but it is
Father, we thank you today that we can trust you. You are wholly trustworthy and you have proven to us once and for all your commitment of covenant love to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, when we don't understand your ways, when we can't comprehend what you're doing, we can trust your heart and your love for us because you've proven it once for all by giving your own son to live a perfect life in our place and to go to the cross and there die the death we deserve because of all of our sins, even though we had none. To be buried and on the third day raised from the dead and even right now to sit at the Father's right hand as our advocate and make intercession forever for us that he might save us even to the uttermost for eternity. And so, Lord, we can trust you Teach us to pray. Teach us to persist in prayer. And this morning, Father, convince us that we are weak, ineffective, even in danger of a slippery slope of sin if we don't persist in prayer. Work in our hearts, we pray, through your word and by your spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, and you already did. Good. And we'll be dismissed to Children's Church. Turn within your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. We'll be looking at the first eight verses in just a few moments together. You never know what effect your prayers are having or what catastrophe God is preventing in the lives of someone you love and know even because you are praying for them. In his book, Fresh Wind and Fresh Fire, this is what it looks like. I would encourage you to get a copy. Uh, written by Pastor Jim Cimbala. The subtitle is, What Happens When God's Spirit Invades the Hearts of His People? But what this book is really about is the prayer meeting and the prayer life of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. In this book, Jim Cimbala tells a very personal story of his wayward daughter, Chrissy. I want to just share with you an edited portion of that story. One November, Pastor Simbler writes, I was alone in Florida 
when I received a call from a minister whom I had persuaded Chrissy to talk to. Jimmy said, I love you and your wife, but the truth of the matter is Chrissy's going to do what Chrissy's going to do. You don't really have much choice now that she's 18. She's determined. You're going to have to accept whatever she decides. I hung up the phone, and something very deep within me began to cry out, Never! I will never accept Chrissy being away from you, Lord. I knew that if she continued on her current path, there would be nothing but destruction awaiting her. God strongly impressed me to stop crying, screaming, and talking to everyone else about Chrissy. I was to converse with no one but God about my daughter. In fact, I knew I should have no further contact with Chrissy until God acted. I was just to believe and obey what I had preached so often, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will answer you. I began to pray with an intensity and growing faith as never before. Whatever bad news I would receive about Chrissy, and it was a lot, I kept interceding and actually began praising God for what I knew He would do soon. I made no attempts to see her. February came. One cold Tuesday night during the prayer meeting, Book and Tabernacle has their prayer meeting on Tuesday night. It's the best attended service of the week. I talked from Acts 4 about the church boldly calling on God in the face of persecution. We entered into a time of prayer, everyone reaching out to the Lord simultaneously. And during that time of prayer, an usher handed me a note. A young woman who I felt to be sensitive, spiritually sensitive, uh, and, and sensitive to the Holy Spirit had written just a quick note. Pastor Simbola, I feel impressed that we should stop the meeting and all pray for your daughter, Chrissy. As the pastor, I hesitated. Was it right to change the flow of this prayer service and focus on my own personal need? Yet, something in the note seemed to ring true. And in a few minutes, I picked up a microphone and told the congregation what had just happened with this note. And then I said, the truth of the matter although I haven't talked about it much, is that my daughter is very far from God these days. She thinks up is down. She thinks down is up. She thinks dark is light and light is dark. But I know God can break through to her, and so I'm going to ask one of the other pastors there in the church to lead us in praying for Chrissy. Let's all join hands across the sanctuary. And so they did. And as the people, as the pastor began to pray and lead the people Pastor Symbol says, I stood behind him with my hand on his back. My tear ducts had run dry, but I prayed as best I knew. It was on Tuesday night. 32 hours later, on Thursday morning as I was shaving, Carol suddenly burst through the door, her eyes wide. Go downstairs, she blurted. Chrissy's here. Chrissy's here? Yes, go down. But Carol, just go down, she urged. It's you she wants to see. I wiped off the shaving foam and headed downstairs, my heart pounding. As I came around the corner, I saw my daughter on the kitchen floor. Rocking back and forth on her hands and knees, just sobbing like a baby. Cautiously, I spoke her name. Chrissy? She grabbed my pant leg.
and begin pouring out our anguish. Daddy, Daddy, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against you and Mommy. Please forgive me. My vision was as clouded as by my tears as hers was. I pulled her up from the floor, and I held her close as we cried together. Suddenly, she drew back. Daddy, she said with a start, who was praying for me? What do you mean, Chrissy? On Tuesday night, Daddy, who was praying for me? I didn't say anything, so she kept on talking. In the middle of night, God woke me and showed me I was heading toward this abyss. There was no bottom to it. It scared me to death. I was so frightened. I realized how hard I've been, how wrong, how rebellious. But at that same moment, it was like God wrapped his arms around me and held me tight. He kept me from sliding any further as he said to me, I still love you. Daddy, who was praying for me? I looked into her bloodshot eyes and once again I recognized the daughter that we had raised. Can our God work in the lives of those we know and love like that? That's a question, and you have a voice to answer. Can our God work like that? Can your God work in your heart in such a way that your life is more radically devoted to worshiping God and witnessing for Jesus than we can even possibly right now imagine? You see, if our God raised Jesus from the dead, then indeed he can, because the same one who lives, who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and hears our prayers. Here's the question for this morning. Are we asking him to work this way through persistent prayer, both individually and corporately? I want to talk to you this morning about the power of persistent prayer. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Here's the take-home truth from, the, from these verses that we've already read. The power of persistent prayer. Here's what I want you to catch. This is what Jesus is trying to teach us in Luke 18, 1 through 8. Persistent prayer is the fuel for sustaining, empowering faith in the expansion of God's kingdom on earth and readiness for our king's soon return. How is it that we can be empowered and fueled, sustained to trust Jesus even as he uses us to expand his kingdom all over this world and at the very same time be ready to see him when he comes back? And by the way, he's coming and he's coming soon. The answer to the question is persistent prayer according to Jesus. Luke 18 Verse 1, it says, and, in the ESV, some of your translations may say, then, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And, it's a connecting word. It's a connector back to Luke 17, where we were last week, 
verses 20 to 37, where Jesus had just told his disciples that his kingdom is now and not yet. His kingdom had come through the first coming, the life, and then soon to be death and resurrection of Jesus. And today his kingdom is spreading through this world as the gospel is preached, as God saves those who believe in him. But there is still a future and consummate eternal kingdom yet to come, and it will come. Jesus will return soon. And when he returns, those who have rejected him will be judged and cast forever from his presence into, the, into eternal torment. And those who have trusted him will be ushered into glory forever in his presence. This is the kingdom, and it is coming. So the word and in verse 1 is a connector back to that whole kingdom discussion. The kingdom that is now and not yet. But Jesus knew that the wait for his return would seem and feel long. And it does, amen? He knew that the lives of his followers would be hard and frustrating and painful, even as the world would oppose and persecute Christ's followers, and so it is even today. The world in which we live, and Jesus told us about all these different things, is a world full of false teaching, for example. False teaching can take our focus off of Jesus and his soon return and detour us into a dangerous place. Matthew 24, verses 11 through 13, Jesus said, Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. He warned us about false teachers. He said, in fact, many who look like they're in love with Jesus today, that love will grow cold. It'll die. And it's not the one who flames big at their conversion that will be saved in the end. It's the one who endures and continues to love and follow and serve Jesus to the end. It's the one who sidesteps and avoids and, and sees through false teaching that will endure to the end and be saved. Persecution is another thing that can take our focus off of Jesus' soon return. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 12 and 13, God speaks through Paul and, 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 and just lets us know what to expect. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, are you listening? Will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Here's what your life's going to look like. When you follow Jesus, you will be opposed. You will be persecuted. And, 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 and you'll look at this world all around you, and evil people, imposter, and even those imposters, that is those who pretend to be believers, they'll go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Their lives will look great, and you will be opposed. Get ready for it. False teaching can take our focus off of Jesus and his soon return. Persecution can do the same. But not only false teaching and persecution, as Jesus made clear last, in last week's text, back in chapter 17, verses 26 to 30, you can glance there. I'm not going to read through those verses again. But what Jesus makes clear in, in Luke 17, 26 to 30, is not only false teaching and persecution, but the distractions of normal, everyday living of the good life with its riches and pleasures, can take our focus off 
of Jesus' soon return. In fact, Jesus said, when he returns, you know what we're going to be doing? Just what we always do. So it was in the days of Noah. So it was in the days of Lot. What, what, what was happening? They were just going about business as usual. Why? Because they, they, they didn't have any fear of God. They had no sense of the judgment of God that was to come. And so it'll be when Jesus returns. Men, women, boys, and girls just go throughout their lives. They'll, they'll be acting like they're going to live forever. They're going to be acting like uh, that God, there is no God and that, that judgment certainly is not a thing and, and, and that this, 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 this uh, human history here on earth is just going to continue to roll on and into the middle of that, Jesus will come. The distractions of normal, everyday living of the good life can take our focus off of Jesus' soon return. In fact, in Luke 18, Jesus said, and asked for what fell among the thorns, there in the parable of the soils, he talks about that seed that fell among the thorns. Listen to how he describes it. And as for those that, that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, listen, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. It does not say that these that are who have their who have their faith choked out by the thorns. It doesn't say that these are the ones who fall into deep dark sin. These are the ones who who who, who get all messed up in in immorality, or, or those who who get all tangled up in in in, in lies and, and and whatever it may be. No, it, it says they're the ones who are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Distractions of normal, everyday living of the good life with all of its riches and pleasures can take our focus off of Jesus' soon return. John Piper says of, these, of, of, this, of this idea that we see in, in Luke 17, judgment didn't come upon Sodom merely because it had practicing homosexuals in it, but also because of all the good, ordinary activities of their lives were godless. The good, listen, the good things in life can make us just as insensitive to the reality of God as the gross things of life. That bears repeating. The good things in life can make us just as insensitive to the reality of God as the gross things of life. So the disciples of Jesus are left in a tremendous battle which most people don't even know is going on. The battle to maintain radical, heartfelt, self-denying faith in Christ, not only in the threat of persecution and sinful temptations, but also in the threat of ordinary home life and business life, which can blunt all our sensitivity to God's eternal kingdom. So, knowing that we would struggle with all of these things, Jesus gives us the key, the key to persevering faith, that makes us effective in His kingdom work now and ready for His return and His eternal kingdom one day. Point number one this morning is found in verse one. Jesus' point. He gets right to it. He tells us in verse one what the whole point of verses one through eight is. Here it is. And He told them a parable to the effect, to the point of, this, they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Jesus' point in our passage is that we ought always pray and not lose heart. The parable that follows is designed to keep us encouraged in prayer 
so that we never lose heart and quit praying until he's com- He comes. Jesus' point? Persistent prayer is the fuel for sustaining, empowering faith in the expansion of God's kingdom on earth and readiness for our king's soon return. That's Jesus' point. Then Jesus illustrates how persistent prayer works to powerfully keep us focused on Jesus' return. In verses 2 through 6, notice here Jesus' parable. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God or, nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. She kept on coming. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said... Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Jesus' parable. This wicked judge. You see the picture here? This wicked judge was self-centered and was not moved at all by any sense of obligation to God. He had no fear of God. That didn't make him do anything in life. He wasn't moved with compassion for the widow. He could care less about her. He simply got tired of her persistence. And he didn't want to endure her unending pleas that would, before she was done, no doubt emotionally beat him down, as the text says, and drain him dry emotionally. So, not because he feared God, not because he cared about the widow, simply because of her persistence, he responded to her and he took action. He, he heard her case, and he settled it. Now, what is Jesus trying to show us by this very bad example of this wicked human judge, right? Well, he's using a lesser to the greater argument. Jesus is in no way holding up the badness of this judge, the wickedness of this judge, the fact that he didn't fear God or have any respect or compassion for man and, 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 and saying that we should be like that. Nor is he saying that God is like that. What he's saying is this. If this bad man will respond to a widow because of her persistent request, if this God-rejecting People hating, for a lack of a better word, judge, will respond to this widow because of her persistence, then what will our good God do? And so Jesus has told us his point. He's given us a parable, a parable to illustrate his point. And now he gives us his promise in verses 7 and 8. What will a good God do? Hear what the judge said, Jesus said. Because of her persistence, I'm going to answer her. Verse 7, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them just, justice to them speedily. So, so follow Jesus' line of thought here. If a wicked, self-centered human judge responds to the persistent pleas of a helpless widow and acts on her behalf. 
just to get him off her back, how much more will our good and gracious Father, listen, who is for us, who loves us, respond to our persistent prayers, the persistent prayers of his precious and eternally loved elect people who are called by his name. This is Jesus' promise to us. Jesus said, God will hear. He puts in a form of a question. Will not God give justice to his elect? The the implied answer is, of course he will. Will he not give justice to that one who cries out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Reminds me of Romans 8, verses 31 and 32, where it says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, does that mean he's a genie in the bottle and he'll give us everything we want? Is that what that means? No. It means he'll give us everything we need. He'll give us everything necessary for life and godliness, Scripture says. He'll give us all we need to make us more like Jesus and empower us to serve him, to do what he's called us to do in the fulfillment of the Great Commission, to love others even as we love ourselves and sacrificially lay down our lives for his name's sake. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Paul asked a redundant question, a rhetorical question there. The answer to which is absolutely he'll give us all things that we need. If he would give his own son to live and die in our place and on the third day be raised, if he would send God the Son to take on human flesh, live among us, fulfill the law for us, go to the cross and and bear the curse of the law in our place, be buried in a borrowed tomb and on the third day rise again. If he will do that for us, then he will give us all that we need for life and godliness. Jesus' promise. Again, John Piper says, Jesus' answer to the question, how to endure to the end, is pray, pray, pray. And don't grow weary of praying. If you cry to God day and night, if you always pray and don't lose heart, you will not be, remember last week, like Lot's wife, who looked back and lost her life, who loved this world more than she did the next, You won't be like Lot's wife if you pray and don't lose heart. You will not be left in judgment. You will endure in faith and love, and God will vindicate you when the Son of Man comes. Therefore, Jesus says, always pray and don't lose heart. Persistent prayer is the fuel for sustaining, empowering faith in the expansion of God's kingdom on earth and readiness for our king's soon return. This this is Jesus' point. This is Jesus' promise. And finally, there's the wrap-up here. Look at the last part of verse 8. Jesus' wrap-up is a firm and challenging call to obedience. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you a story so that you always pray and never give up. Then he shows us through the parable, he says, God is better than a wicked judge. And if even a wicked judge will respond to persistence, don't you think your loving Father who gave his own son for you will hear your prayers and answer? Don't you think he'll act and answer 
to your prayers? Yes, he will, Jesus says. But notice, fourthly, this morning, Jesus' proposal. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? You see, it's not a question about God. You tracking? It's not a question about whether God loves to hear us pray, will hear our prayers and answer, we're his elect people, he's a good and loving father. It's not about whether when we pray he will hear and answer and give us justice. It's about whether we'll pray. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus said, I'll tell you how to be ready for Jesus, for my, for my coming. I'll tell you how to be ready for, 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 for the coming of my kingdom. I'll tell you how to not fall away, how to not be like Lot's wife. Pray and don't lose heart. But then Jesus almost, as if he's scratching his head, but here's what I'm wondering, guys. When I come back at the end, will there be anybody left? Will there be anybody who believes me enough that they're still praying and, and that has been praying all through the persecution, all through the, the false teaching, all through the distractions of daily life so that they don't lose sight that I am coming back, that heaven is home? The message translation says this in verse 8, but how much kind of that kind Excuse me, how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? New Living Translation puts it this way, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? That is, who are persistently still praying. Praying for protection against false teaching. Praying for, for victory over sin. Praying for eyes to see through the distractions of everyday, normal, good life. Praying to never forget and always remember that Jesus is standing at the door ready to break into human history and come back at the Father's behest. Piper again says, The pressures of worldliness will become greater as the end draws near. Therefore, all the more must we watch and be sober under prayer and not lose heart. Can I just, can I just stop? It's a good place to stop and ask this question. How many of you have prayed about something and you've gotten tired of praying about it? I'm raising my hand. This is a yes for me. So, yeah, I mean, hands going up all over the place. That hit a nerve, didn't it? Sometimes I ask all questions and it's just like you don't have no clue, like you have no experience about what I'm talking about even though you do and you just kind of sit there. Not then. You've been tired of praying, haven't you? I've been tired of praying. It's going to get worse before it gets better. 1 Peter 4, verse 7 says this, The end of all things is at hand. Now, if that was true in Peter's day, how much more true is it today? You know what? We're closer to Jesus' return than we've ever been. You know what you can say tomorrow morning? We're closer to Jesus' return than we've ever been. You want to say that after that? We're closer to Jesus' return than we've ever been. And guess what? So it will be till he comes. 
but he's coming. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, what does Peter say to do with that? What are we, what are we supposed to do with that information? Jesus is coming back. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Listen to what it says. For the sake of your prayers. So you can be persistent in prayer. So you can keep the connection to the Father that keeps you from growing weary and giving up on God, giving up on praying for that person that needs Jesus, giving up on praying about that temptation you keep struggling with and falling into sin over. Now, if you're like me, you may be thinking, sometimes it just... I mean, I know what the text says. I know what Jesus said. I read it. It says he'll give justice speedily, but sometimes it doesn't seem like God speedily answers our prayers. Amen? This is the same. You, you, I mean, you're, listen, you already raised your hand, so you get tired of praying. You can say amen. I mean, it just doesn't seem like it sometimes, right? And sometimes it seems like Jesus will never return. I mean, it's already been over 2,000 years. Peter addresses both our feelings and gives commentary, I believe, on Jesus' words that we've been looking at this morning, his promise, his challenge here in Luke 18. Peter gives us all that over in 2 Peter 3, verses 7 to 9, and also verse 15, where he writes, But by the same word, that is the word of God, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. By the same word that caused the flood, there's a, that same word is holding back the fire of judgment from this earth. That's what Peter's saying here. Because Peter was around some folks like us who are like, yeah, Jesus is coming back? Well, he hadn't come back yet. And this was just a few years after Jesus had risen and ascended. But Peter says, make no mistake. Just like nobody except Noah and his family expected the flood, so nobody on the planet expected the judgment of God. Same thing's true today. Nobody expects Jesus' return, but he's coming. But do not overlook this one fact. The thing you've got to remember, Peter says, is that the, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, that doesn't make me like it any better, but it helps me understand it. Amen? I, wish, I still wish God would answer my prayers quicker. But I've got to keep in mind that God doesn't, he, he doesn't function on my calendar or on my time frame. Uh, for, for the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The, and, and, and furthermore this, the Lord is not slow, verse 9, to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why has Jesus not come back? Because he wants all those who will ever believe to have that opportunity to trust him and to come to him. He wants to bring all the sheep that the Father's given him into his fold. As verse 15 of 2 Peter 3 says, count the patience of the Lord as salvation. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't come back before you believed? Hello? Oh man, that's lame. I don't want to, come on. Y'all are fast on the tire of praying. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't come back and end it all before you had that opportunity to believe. Hallelujah! And so when you get tired of praying, when you get tired of waiting for Jesus to come back, just realize it's because He loves that next person He has for you to share the gospel with. It's because He loves the Sudanese Arabs of Saudi Arabia who've yet to hear the name of Jesus. 
and about the grace of God. 2 Peter 3, verses 11 through 14 says this, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, in other words, judgment will fall on this earth, it'll be fire, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Listen. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found with, by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. How in the world can we in this world live in such a way that we're found without spot or blemish and live at peace? Do you see peace in our world today? It's a disaster, isn't it? Peter says you and I can live in the middle of this mess at peace. How? Through persistent prayer. Because remember, persistent prayer is the fuel for sustaining, empowering faith in the expansion of God's kingdom on earth and readiness for our king's soon return. In Jude 20 and 21, when's the last time you read Jude? Yeah, right? <laughs> I get there in my Bible reading plan about once every two years. Jude 20, 21, and uh, 24 and 25. Here's what Jude says. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. There's that praying thing again. Keep yourselves in the love of God. So this is, okay, so, so, so I'm supposed to build myself up in my holy faith. I'm supposed to pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm supposed to keep myself in the love of God. But notice this, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. That's a focus on a future hope. That's a focus on the coming of the King. Verse 24, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. When will that be? It'll be when He comes back. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and now and forever. Amen. He can keep us from stumbling. He can carry us all the way home. And, and on that day that He comes back, He can present us before the Father with great joy. We can... Build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep ourselves in the love of God. And be waiting and ready for the mercy of the Lord Jesus when He comes. How? By praying in the Holy Spirit. What's the key? Persistent prayer. Never losing heart and communicating with our Father about all things. Persistent prayer is the fuel for sustaining, empowering faith in the expansion of God's kingdom on earth, and for readiness for our king's soon return. So the question is this, will you, will you personally pray like this? Will you say, yes, Jesus, I hear you. Yes, Jesus, I'm going to listen to the story you, you've told, this, this picture you painted of the Father's heart to hear my prayers and answer them. I'm going to hear you so that I always keep praying and never lose heart. And yes, Jesus, I'm going to be one who's still praying when you come back. You'll find faith, at least in me, when you get here, because I'm not going to quit praying. Will you personally pray like this? Let's change the context a little bit. Do you have a small group 
of men, if you're a man or a woman, if you're a woman, you can trust with your personal struggles and trials and temptations across all the, the parts of your life that can pray with you and for you this way. Will we, yet another change in context, will we as a group, as a church family, will we regularly gather in mass to pray? You know, the disciples to whom Jesus spoke these words, their response to his words here, we see all throughout the book of Acts, right? I believe after the resurrection, they remembered this. They remembered the parable of the persistent widow. They remembered this injunction that in light of his soon return, in the middle of a godless world, that the key to perseverance was prayer. And so all throughout the book of Acts, we see the disciples' response to Jesus' words as the church regularly, week in and week out, gathered to pray for power and strength and God's mighty hand to be at work in and through their lives. They gathered together to pray for those things. And what did God do? He answered their prayers. And he turned the Roman Empire upside down through a small band of people who believed in the God who hears and answers prayer. In a small band of people who called out to the risen and reigning Lord of all things. And saw him do mighty things through weak and helpless. By the way, we're the widow in the story. Did you catch that? Widows in that day had no rights. They were, they were helpless. They were among the most needy of society. That's us. We, we need him. Every hour we sing. Will we, as a group... As a church family, regularly gather in Mass to pray. We have that opportunity in these days, every Sunday evening, tonight, as a matter of fact, 6 o'clock, right here. Will we pray? Persistent prayer is the fuel for sustaining and empowering faith in the expansion of God's kingdom on earth and for our readiness for our, our King's soon and glorious return. Let's pray together. Father, no doubt many of us in the room today have someone on our hearts that is something like Pastor Symbolist's story about Chrissy. Maybe the reason we've never seen you act in power is because we've never really asked. Or because we ask for a little bit, but since you didn't work on our schedule, we quit praying. We lost heart. And we just kind of figured you're not going to do anything. And we're not praying anymore, if we were honest. And so, God, right now, I pray that you change our hearts. For your glory's sake above all things, but for that person that you put in our lives. Lord, maybe some of us in the room have struggled with the same temptation for years, maybe a decade, maybe two decades. We used to spend time praying about that. 
praying that you deliver us from that, praying you'd help us overcome that. And yet, we'll keep falling into that sin and we've just chalked it up to that's just how it's going to be in, a, in our lives. We've lost heart. And we've quit asking the one who raised Jesus from the dead who lives in us to help us. Which means we're living in a state of denying his power toward us. And we're really saying by our prayerlessness that we don't believe you really want us to be holy in that area. We really don't believe you can fix our mess. Oh God, help us to believe Jesus. To surrender to your time frame. To use the means of grace and power that you've given us through the power of your word and prayer. To cry out to you in the moment. And to see you act. For your glory and our good. Father, for us as a church. May we not have to have a crisis in our midst to move us to corporate prayer. May we as a group not be deceived by the goodness of life, the distractions of everyday life with all of its cares and riches and pleasures, to the point that we don't think we need prayer meeting. We don't need to get together with anybody. We can just do that at home. Even though the early church shows us differently. May we not be so deceived as to think we, together, don't need you. And Lord, while we would never say that out loud, we demonstrate it by our prayerlessness. Change our hearts. God would that someone, because of our prayer service, even this night at 6 o'clock, someone for whom we pray tonight, God would that we would be able to hear them with, with excitement and awe ask us, who was praying for me? Work in our hearts and move among your people, we pray. For your glory's sake. Amen. Let's stand and worship together. As we sing, you respond to the Lord just as he speaks to your heart and guides you by the Holy Spirit even now. The doors of our church are open to receive members any way we can. Maybe you need to come and meet Jesus for the first time. Maybe you need to leave here today. What needs to happen in your life is you need to come to know God as Father through faith in the Lord Jesus so that you can live your life in continual prayer from here to the end. You, you never have to be alone, even as Russ talked about earlier, again.
brother, sister in Christ, maybe, maybe God's spoken to your heart and you, you just need to come pray and seek him in the altar about something personal. Maybe that person that God's put on your heart. Maybe your prayer life. Maybe our church. However the Lord leads you as we sing. I'll be right here at the front. Talk to anyone who needs to know Jesus. If you need to come join our church, if you have other needs, we'll be right here. I'm here. Kyle will be right there. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you this morning.
And all God's people said, what a, you may be seated for just a moment. What a beautiful uh, thing the body of Christ is. Amen. You're never alone. And we're here for one another. Uh, even as you've just seen people come and pray with each other. What a blessing that is. And to have brothers and sisters that will do that. Amen. Amen. So this morning, and i got to get all these details straight, but this morning we have several coming to join the church. Susan Anderson comes. I've uh, been with us for quite a while now, and she comes by transfer of letter. Okay, she comes by profession of faith. I haven't been baptized in a uh, like-minded church, and uh, will come on statement of faith, um, seeking church uh, membership here. Also, Bill and Deb Emery, been with us for a good long while, come to join this morning by transfer of letter, and from two different churches, and you're going to have to remind me, Emmanuel Baptist Church. Gainesville First Baptist Church and Alva Baptist Church. And so, so glad to have all three of you come. These folks have, uh, were in our uh, Stackstones membership class a, a couple months ago and um, just didn't have enjoyed getting to know them. Thankful for how they're already serving in the body here. And so they come this morning as candidates for membership. What's the pleasure of the church regarding receiving these? And is there a second? Okay, there's a second. All in favor, let me know by saying I. I, I. And we love you. We love Amen. So thankful that you're here. Uh, thankful that God's made, making you part of our church family, already made you part of our church family uh, in these days. And we're uh, excited about how God's going to use you, as I said, already is, and how we're, we want to be available to how, to how he might use us in your life as well. So welcome. I'm going to ask you to join me at the back. Um, and so folks can welcome you into the church family officially. Most of them know you already. If you don't, if you hadn't met Susan and Bill and Deb, then please uh, come by, introduce yourself, and uh, just welcome into our church family. Kyle's going to come with a couple of announcements and then dismiss us in prayer. If you guys will follow me to the back. Just a couple of announcements here as we uh, wrap up. Just a reminder that the uh, ladies' Bible study entitled The Voice of God, uh, that's by Priscilla Shower, meets on Monday evenings, 5.30 to 7 p.m. It's here in the, the church. I think it's the first room on the right as you come in. Uh, so they would uh, love to have you. That's from 5.30 to 7. Again, Chad mentioned our Cry Out to Jesus prayer service. That's, uh, we've moved that to Sunday evenings, and that will be 6 p.m. Uh, this evening here in the Fellowship Hall. Wednesday, of course, we'll be back with our youth and our Seeds kids, um, back at that pizza at 6 o'clock. Uh, the program and the teaching and things will start at uh, 6.30. Um, on Wednesday, also for adults, uh, there's the See for Yourself Bible study and then Larry Mullinax's adult Bible study that's Wednesday, 6.30. October conference is today, so this is our annual um, kind of uh, budget time and things like that, so you'll see... Uh, full year's picture of our church finances and uh, I want to thank Wes for a lot of work that he's done on that and uh, we appreciate that Wes um, and so we'll have that uh, immediately after we'll take just about a five minute break um, if our visitors you're welcome to stay but uh, you may have things to do and then uh, Wednesday 745 after our Wednesday program we'll have our um, October leadership meeting 
And then finally, on Sunday, October the 24th, that will be our quarterly uh, foreign, foreign missions offering uh, that we'll receive. And uh, I think that's it. So if you'll join me, we'll pray and uh, be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for um, your presence in our lives, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, the um, gift of your Son that uh, gives us the ability, Father, to be reconciled and redeemed by his blood, Father, that we can spend eternity with you. And Father, we look forward to your coming back, Father, and you'll take us uh, to spend that time of eternity with you. Uh, thank you, Father, for the families that are here, Lord. We just ask that you would uh, just move and work in their lives, Father, that you would um, uh, reach out and uh, just touch them and encourage them today uh, with the truth that we've heard. Father, we lift up those that are uh, sick, those that are uh, in the hospital, and um, Father, just that need your presence on a day-by-day -day basis. We ask now that you lead us, guide us, and go with us, Father, as we pray in Christ's name.